welcome to the Recover You podcast with Kyleen and Patrick Terhune. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. Welcome everyone to another podcast episode of Recover You. Where Kyleen's going to be awesome and spew. You didn't let me finish. She's just going to spew. She's going to spew tremendous wisdom. Is that what they say? No. What do they say when they rap? Is it? Is it you? You're spitting. Spitting facts. Spitting. Spitting. I don't know. I guess spitting can be more. Spitting can be more disgusting than spewing. I feel like we should start over. This is not. No, this is good. This is this is a little bit of of the behind the scenes. Oh boy! All right, let's let's roll with it. Let's go. And cut and welcome everyone. Welcome everyone. Where Kylie is going to be talking about wisdom. Is that is that what's happening? (laughs) No, today uh, we are talking about facing the unknown, and this is just something that I thought would be a really good discussion. Um, to share some different perspectives because it is one of the fears facing the unknown is one of the biggest fears that I see. I would say women, but I think it's humanity, right? I think it's one of like, if you look at all of humanity and just people in general, a fear of the unknown or facing the unknown is one of the biggest fears that we struggle with. Then that, if you see somebody that is stuck in life, stuck in patterns that they don't like very often, Facing the unknown is one of the greatest fears. It's keeping them in that place. It's it's putting them in freeze, right? And, you know, it makes sense because when you've gone through a lot of pain in life, when you've gone through a lot of trauma, when you have trouble trusting people or trusting yourself and all of these different things, um, you develop like a coping mechanism of needing to control, right? And what's so ironic about that, just <clears throat> speaking from personal experience, is the more you try to control something, it's like the less control you actually have. It doesn't, it doesn't typically end up helping the situation. Right. You know, um it may briefly make us feel empowered or um I I, I don't know the words to use there, but it, it makes us feel maybe a little bit safer on some really shallow, basic level. But I find as somebody that really struggles with control um, and in that aspect of life, like it just shows up everywhere where I'm just like, okay, I really need to learn how to release control in this area. I really need to learn how to like trust here and let this go. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, let things like move through my body and, um, you know, relax into life a little bit more, you know? And so what I find it, the reason that that, that really consistently hits me as the thing that I need to grow into consistently is because anytime I, I am trying to control something, it typically does not benefit me the way that you wish it would when you're trying to control something. That's right. And so we're going to talk about that today in context of relate the relationship as you're going through recovery, because you know, whether you want to reconcile with your partner or whether, you know, deep down you want to separate from the relationship, but you're scared, we get it. Um, and, and actually we're going to share kind of our stories about this as well as some other examples of this, because, you know, we've both been divorced and we've both been reconciled. And so having that perspective, you know, both are scary. Mm -hmm. And I think, the thing that I, I sort of want to start with is this idea of 
if you feel stuck, maybe this is the episode for you. Hmm. And if you feel stuck, then part of the reason that you feel that way is probably because you're not happy where you are. And the reason you're not happy where you are is because you feel like you are not living into the purpose that God created you for. Like there's a part of you, however small or however large, that is knocking on your heart going, you are born for more than this mm-hmm. and you're not living into it. Right. And and it's true. I find that every, when it comes to purpose in life, when it comes to doing things that are big, that are bold, they are almost always scary. There's almost nothing in life, I feel like, that comes with high value that does not also come with a lot of fear and insecurity and like, what if something bad happens? Yeah. Hear the wisdom being spewed? The wisdom spews. Um, so it's a terrible word. It is, it is a pretty bad word. But, you know, as you're talking about this, you know, if I can relate it to my professional life, you know, I've had the good fortune to be in charge of a lot of of, of organizations and to develop organizations and, mm-hmm. and start organizations from scratch. Mm-hmm. And I can say with 100% certainty that the times where I managed and led loosely and allowed my allowed the people in the organization to make decisions within, you know, within a vision, Mm -hmm. within context of a vision, the organization thrived well beyond what I could have imagined. Mm. The times when I have been tight for whatever reason and been very highly directive controlling and controlling Mm -hmm. the organization did not grow. It did not achieve the success that I wanted and people didn't grow and develop. And then there were bad outcomes, Mm -hmm. the higher turnover, um, a worse safety record, um, more cost, you know, all those things that you don't want in a business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if, you know, and we're going to get more into the personal side of it, because, you know, because one of the things that's really interesting is, is my personal growth or my personal, personal growth has helped my ability to do that professionally as mm-hmm. well. And so, um, that it's just been interesting to me mm-hmm. over the three decades of leading mm-hmm. um, that I've noticed that as I look back, the times I've I've been highly controlling have been dark periods in that organization's life cycle. Yeah. Well, I think the thing about control is that I'm trying to think of a situation where it's positive. I think control is the, the, uh, so what I'm looking for, the desire for control the mm-hmm. or the need for control. I will let me clarify that. So the need for control is almost always negative, no matter where it shows up in your life, whether it's professional or interpersonal or whatever. And so when you see, like, if you just see on like a relational dynamic, right, <clears throat> if you're trying to in any way control your spouse that is never going to go well, right? Like it, like it in, and and we, well, I feel like I have to put like a little caveat here because um, when you talk about boundaries, people go, well, that's controlling your spot. It's not, it's, it's creating your own personal space. And we've kind of talked about that a lot, but um, yeah, when you're, when you're talking about the need for control in areas of different areas of your life, um, it is, it's almost always more damaging than rewarding. And it, if you think about it almost as like this as an energy, it's a negative energy. And the 
opposite of that is, I think you could use a few different words for that, but the opposite of that would be freedom. The opposite mm-hmm. of that would be flexibility. The opposite of that would be um, trusting God, trusting the universe, yeah. trusting, you know, it's a positive energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so those things are always more scary. Mm-hmm. I think relaxing into the unknown, which is what we're talking about, like facing the unknown, relaxing into the unknown, I think it's terrifying. It is. It is. It's really terrifying. Um, but it tends to be worth it because you only have, if you want to talk about control, you only have control over yourself. And so maybe that's, maybe that's what I mean is like when you're, when you're trying to control something outside of your reaction, your responses, your behavior, mm-hmm. that is almost always negative. But, you know, there's a situational component to all of this. So for example, if, you know, I, I gave the example of organizations I run. And so let's, let's kind of tie it to when you're teaching a, a brand new pilot to fly, right? You don't want to be like, hey, listen, I'm not going to control you. Here's the keys to that airplane. You go have fun, right? That's going to lead to a bad outcome, right? So the controlling nature is, hey, I'm going to be on the controls with you while you execute this maneuver because you just don't have the experience. And that's a very loving, That's kind nurturing, though. I don't think that's like, yeah, that's educational. Way, right? So then, then you can kind of parlay it to the the situation, and they're asking you to do that. That's, that's right. That's guidance. That's part of yeah. teaching, and you can do the same thing, like a, you know, a brand new leader in an organization. If you say, "Hey, I need to teach you some of the some of the ethics of the organization. I need to teach you some of the some of the uh, the habits of the organization. And I'm going to show you these things, and then over time, I'm going to let that control go as you learn mm-hmm. and go through it." So the same thing happens in betrayal. I think. I think you know, the betrayed may say. I don't want you on your phone. I'm going to hold your phone from here on out. And that's very appropriate. It's very, very appropriate because there's a situational component to that control. And, you know, you and I have talked about this, but well, like I think that's five years. Mutual, right? That's right. And it's also accountability. That's right. that's right. And so that's not me like forcing something onto you necessarily. So there's mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's. There has to be a change well, yeah. in the control as recovery grows. So if, if the same things that are in place on day one of betrayal are still in place on six years into recovery, six year, there's something going wrong there. Either either the 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 relationship is not recovering the way it should, or the addict is not taking accountability and learning the way they should, or the betrayed is not getting into a healthy situation in spite of maybe all the signals of, of massive health, mm-hmm. you know, on the part of the, of the ex addict that, you know what I mean? So it's like, those are, those are, they, they situationally things need to change and evolve well, and grow. But though, I think you're talking about boundaries and accountability and the reality is we don't have control in those situations you know? because ultimately, like if I say, Hey, don't take your phone into the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's, that, that's an accountability thing. That's a trust building thing. That's not control because I don't have control there. Right. And if I tried to control it, typically that's not going to go out. The only thing I have control over is, okay, well, if we agree on this and you say you're not going to do it and then you do it. And there's consequences. Well, yeah, the yeah. consequence right. is my response to that, right. Right? right? My response then is, okay, well, you know, there's lack of trust in the relationship. Um, you know, then I respond X, Y, Z. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, right. yeah. So when we're talking about facing the unknown, I think, I mean, it really is scary. I, mean, I remember when we were going through, oh my gosh, when we were going through discovery and I started learning all of the statistics and I learned about addiction, it was just so overwhelming. And then one of the things that was so scary to me was like, okay, I found out when I was 35 and I hear the statistics of two to five years and I'm going, 
I'm going to be 40 by the time I have any health in, our, in my relationship again or in my life or, ha- you know, happiness. And all this. So I was facing this huge unknown. Well, and in a lot of other ways too, I wasn't just facing the unknown of reconciliation. I was facing the unknown of at any moment in any day, something could happen that would then change my trajectory right to divorce. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what, what option did I have though, but to live life. Yeah, you have to. And eventually yeah. I had to focus on healing and start to, you know, trust into the process mm-hmm. and then l- allow it to unfold right. naturally. The way it's going. The to. way it's going to. Yeah. yeah. And so we have a couple quotes that that came up kind of as we were talking about this is um the idea of if you love something, let it go. I feel like that's like an early 2000s like song or something that that was in, like a song lyric. I don't know. But it's the whole idea of like, if you love something, let it go. If it I think it was a it. Rick Astley song. I don't know who that is. He's the never going to give you up. Oh. Never. <laughs> um, so uh, if you love something, let it go. If it comes back to you, it's yours, right? That whole idea, right? Um, but then also the whole Henry Ford quote, the power of um, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. You're right. And okay, so when you're talking about facing the unknown, one of the things that happens is it's this fear, right? Well, I don't know what my future is like if I change my current situation. And so I choose to believe that that outcome is negative. Well, if you believe that outcome is negative, you're absolutely right because you will live into that. And the power of belief is so, your mindset around things is so powerful. I mean, it really is unbelievable how true that is. Mm -hmm. Um, If you know, it's when people think that they're capable, they're capable. When people think they're incapable, they are incapable. That's right. And I, I do want to put put a little comment in here saying, you know, I really don't want this episode to come across as insensitive or non-empathetic to people that are in very difficult situations. Because I understand and that there are so many horrible, difficult, hard situations. And so, um, you know, take take what we say, you know, to your situation, if it resonates with you it resonates if you disagree you disagree and just delete it but um you know to that point patrick and i have both been through divorce and we've been both through reconciliation and we've both had little and we've both had a lot and so we've been in situations where both are true and so um we want to speak into that a little bit because when we had little we made difficult decisions when we had a lot we've made difficult this situation or difficult decisions and so I, I don't, um, there's so many examples of the environment that you're in not dictating the outcome. It's not the environment that you're living in that dictates the outcome. It's what you do with it. And there's so many examples of that. And so we're going to talk about a couple of those today, but I, I wanted to start, we're talking about the fear of facing the unknown. Changing that, I think on the other side of that, is really aligning with what do you think you are you are here on earth to do? Are there things in your current situation, in your current environment that you are not able to accomplish and to contribute to the world and to contribute to your family and to contribute to life um, and to yourself that you're unable to do in your current environment? That if you made a different decision or if you faced the unknown, you would have the possibility of then doing. Mm-hmm. And so if that is you, um, that I think on the other side of fear is 
millions of possibilities, many of which are beautiful, wonderful things that you could never, ever, ever, ever anticipate. And that is why we try to control it. We still won't achieve it because so many times these things that happen in our life that to help us fulfill this purpose are actually coming from, you know, it's when we relax into that, um, it's literally when we relax into the unknown and sort of trust that God has a plan or trust that things will work out uh, in a way. And then, of course, we're taking action towards that purpose. But so many other times other humans are involved in that. Right. And so we cannot control the outcome. To the to the level of detail that we want, we can all we can do is put our. Uh, put it out into the universe, essentially, as people would say, right? Like, this is my goal. This is my desire. This is what I want. I'm going to start moving in that direction and then, you know, make decisions as different events begin to unfold, right? Based on that. Um, so I kind of just want to talk about some some examples to this. And do you want me to share uh, other outside examples first? Or do you want to share kind of our... I, I, think, I think however you start, it will be very wise. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, why don't we start with your story first? Because okay. um, I mean, you really went from having nothing, yeah, and making really hard decisions, and you know, kind of coming fairly, I would say, not late in life. But one of the things that I hear a lot is this fear of age, right? Because I work with women mm-hmm. at a, on a wide variety of age range. Um, all the way from very young to in their fifties and, and things like that. And, um, and fifties is still very young, by the way, mm-hmm. I actually really believe that because I, what I see in every decade is the same fear. I'm this age. Yeah. How am I going to recover from this at this age? And it's like, right. well, people in their thirties are afraid of that as well as people in their fifties are afraid of that. Right? right. And so I think it's just a human fear. Well, I've mm-hmm. I've built this up or I've done this or I've saved this much or I tried to build a life with this person. Now that's just a waste, right? Or things like that. And so the fear of changing that environment and part of it is like the devil, you know, right? Mm-hmm. I know how to interpret this and I know how to actually, you know, somewhat control this situation because I'm familiar with it. And so that feels comfortable on a level to which I'm like, well, I can actually, to some extent, control the outcome here because yeah, I know what it. Yeah, I know the terrain. There's a comfort of routine, yeah, even in a bad situation. You, yeah, the comfort of discomfort, right? There, right. right? Yep. So I heard a quote one time that really resonated when it comes to betrayal, and that is um, that very often people will choose a familiar hell instead of a, an unfamiliar heaven. Because it's scary, it's exactly for the reasons we're talking about. Okay, so you—it wasn't like super late in life, but you know, yeah, you so really built built up a life. Yeah, I, I I had actually done. I was doing pretty well, and um, I think I had mentioned the car accident or whatever. I I was in a car accident with my first wife and and Keegan, and uh, he was very young, and I came out of that with with a lot of medical bills and and a relationship that was in trouble. And uh, ultimately, when I was 40, I was divorced. So I was well, and 40 there's years the old. Well, there's a financial aspect there, too, where right. it was like medical and divorce and right. alimony. And so, like, you were, like, basically wiped, wiped clean. Yeah. And and I, rem- I remember working with my boss on something, and I was talking about something. And I remember him saying, wait, do you have any money? <laughs> I was like, no. I know when you told when yeah. you told me like your financial situation, like yeah. you literally had nothing. Right, right. I had nothing, and I had cashed everything in and done everything I could just to feed the family and pay legal fees and all of these different things. 
And uh, I remember thinking at the time, um, I remember thinking at the time that like, I don't know how I'm going to make it from this point to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow I did, you know, you, your budget, you really tie down, you go and buy a Stouffer's um, frozen lasagna and you and your six-year-old son eat that all week. You know what I mean? Because you make it on Sunday night, mm-hmm. the family size or whatever. It's like $8.99 mm-hmm. or whatever. It's dinner, you know, dinner for a week. Um, so you do all of those things. And I remember like it, it, it didn't take long for me to kind of start to figure it out financially. Well, and, and, you know, to, to the point that I was making earlier where people kind of come in, mm-hmm. you actually met with a financial advisor and financial advisors get paid for to invest for you, to, to invest for you and yeah. to give you advice. Right. And he even said, wait, you have no money. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, but what I, my point with that is. You you start came from a place with divorce and basically having absolutely nothing. Right. Going, I, I'm making. You're facing the unknown mm-hmm. and having to make these decisions. You reach out to somebody that normally you would have to pay money to. Yeah. And he was kind enough and generous enough to actually help you anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. And so. It did help that he was an ex helicopter pilot. Too, so, you but I didn't know it. that at the time. Like, yeah, we we learned that at, at lunch. Yeah. But that's my point: is that you stepped into the unknown. Mm-hmm. You were kind of forced into it, but you had to trust it because there was, you know, you didn't really have another choice. That's right. And then God worked it out anyway. And so yeah. things, I think that's what's so scary is like trusting that things can fall into place when you are willing to do that, take that step. Right. And so. Think about God, like knowing mm-hmm. 20 years before this happened, that you were going to meet with this person and giving you guys a similar history to connect on, mm-hmm. giving, you know, whatever he did in this man's life to give him empathy and compassion that he connected with you right? and then waived his initial fees or whatever it was that he did. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah. And then, and then you are still working with him today because he's been wonderful. Yeah. He's been awesome. He's helped us out through, through, through a lot of different things. Um, so yeah, it was, it was very scary. And I remember thinking, you know, how am I going to, you know, and, and I ended up taking a, a, a promotion, but it required a move to come to Ohio because that was like that all, mm-hmm. all of a sudden that opportunity presented itself. And I was unaware of that. I wasn't, looking at a, at a, at a relocation or anything like that, but that opportunity presented itself. And ultimately it's worked out very well. I think, you you know, obviously I was, I was broken emotionally coming out of that, that, that relationship and that situation, which, you know, certainly manifested itself in, in uh, bad areas, but, you know, there was alimony that, that, that I had to cover, um, which was significant. And it was, it was something that I committed to because I felt like it was the right thing to do so much so that my attorney actually, disagreed with me so much he wrote me a letter and it was like a three-page letter with all the things that that he disagreed with me on and I felt like it was the right thing to do to mm-hmm. to, to carry through on that amount mm-hmm. and um it was hard it was a very hard um financial commitment financial yeah. commitment um that that you know came out of that but I just I, I felt like it was the right thing to do I felt like it was the right thing to do for Keegan as he grew he would you know, if he had to ask questions like, hey, yeah. you know, why doesn't she have, he didn't never had to yeah. worry about that mm-hmm. because we had made a commitment to help, to help her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oddly enough, I re- because I had had that experience when we were going through, you know, what we were going through, I think I even said to you, I was like, hey, no matter what happens, I'm going to, 
I'm going to make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and, and I remember going through that. Now, part of that was formed out of the experience I had had mm-hmm. um, because I knew it would be okay. I'd figure it out. I'd figure out how to live. I'd figure oh, out how to do all of that. That's a really good point. When you start practicing this, mm-hmm. you begin to trust it more. Yeah. Yeah. So the first time you step into something unknown, it's like the scariest thing you've ever done. Right. And it's not that it's not scary the next time, yeah. but you now have proof that when you relax into that, it's okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things happen. You make decisions that you wouldn't make if you stayed in the same environment. You meet people that you wouldn't meet in the same environment. Um, opportunities come your way that wouldn't be there in the same environment. Right. Um, you know, and on a spiritual perspective, if you're if you're Christian and you have you know that um, spiritual belief system, you know, we we look at this and go, well, God really orchestrated things in a way that you stepped into trust. And he provided, he answered like all of the needs that you had Mm -hmm. through different people and different opportunities. And, and it worked out. Worked out very well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Worked out. I mean, you know, financially there are no concerns anymore. I mean, we're no different than any other family. You have to, you know, take care of things and you have to pay bills and you have to do, and you can't get overextended and all that stuff. But you you made a um you you went from like totally broke and people ended up supporting you and helping mm-hmm. you you step into the fear of be, almost being a single parent almost completely being a single parent for a mm-hmm. long time before we met and that worked out and then you also took the step into okay well I'm going to move and then well and that's how we met right right and so and then, yeah and ultimately professionally that worked out as well mm-hmm. you know so yeah so so that's a couple examples there um and, and I've shared this too before. When I got divorced, um, we were not making a lot of money. Um, the two of us combined uh, did not make a significant amount of money. And so when I found everything out and then looked in our bank account, I think we had a total of $2,000 in our savings. And um, and I took 1000 <laughs> and I left. And, um, you know, I... I lived with my parents for a long period of time after that, you know, and, um, things shifted for me and it, you know, and so there's going back to what we were talking about earlier, the environment is not the dictator of the outcome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really more about willingness to make changes and that mindset about belief you know, whether things will be okay or whether you believe they won't be okay, now, you why, will live into that. Now, why did you think things would be okay? Oh my gosh. Now, now to, to be fair, I immediately moved back in with my parents. So I did, I did feel like I had that you got a safety net. I did there. feel like I had like, yeah, that as an option. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I lived away from them, what I would have done if I would have gone to a friend's house or I'm not yeah. sure what I would have done, but Basically, as soon as I found out, I left. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there was not like a deep thinking process. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But I actually, now that I, you know, when I'm thinking about, it, I actually remember my initial thought was I'm going to go to their house for the weekend. And here's one of the things I think that's really important. When I got the separation, things got really clear and I was like, I'm not going back. So when I, when I actually had the distance for a couple yeah. of days, then yeah. I was like, no, this is, you know, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually really important because I think when we stay in the environment, that's not healthy for us, right. things are so clouded that if we can separate 
in some way for a period of time, mm-hmm. if we have the ability to do that, that can be incredibly, that can provide incredible clarity. It can. Yeah, it really can. You get you get a moment to sit alone in solitude and think and mm-hmm. maybe get some advice from folks who aren't as emotionally tied into the situation. Well, and I think part of the reason that that is true is because if you get out of an environment that is not safe and you get into an environment that provides some stability and safety, your nervous system and your brain start um, resetting towards that and feeling that and remembering that. And Mm -hmm. it goes, Oh no, I don't actually like want to come out of that safety anymore. Right. Like I, I, it's like a reminder that that's possible. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I do think sometimes that like getting out of the environment can be really helpful. Um, But you know, I had a job, Mm -hmm. I was making money and um, you could eat. Well, and I could have sleep. Right. And I could have always like the, the summer before I went to um, the summer before I went to college, you know, I worked and then I took a second job. Right. And so um, I could have gotten another job had I needed to at that point and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, what I ended up doing was going back to school. Mm -hmm. And um, well, what's interesting. And as we're talking through this, you know, we, we we're, we're both talking about previous relationships and in the the previous relationships, you know, the, the assumption is they were they they weren't hard, they weren't right, they weren't, or they were hard, they weren't right because they ended in divorce, right? Um, I would say that neither one of us was in physical danger, and Correct. so there there is a there's always a, a, a challenge, and I, and I don't want to send the message to people that like. Because there are some very hard, hard situations oh, yeah, we that be, are worse. Yeah. And, and we want to make sure that people know that, like, we're not just telling you to disregard safety. We're not just telling you to, like, oh, absolutely. you know what I mean? Like, like there there are some situations out there that are very difficult to extricate mm-hmm. yourself from. I think we're mostly we speaking that. towards um, some level of stability in, in the relationship to that extent. Meaning yeah. there's not, right. you know... There's not violence present. There's not, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kidnapping threats yeah, and things yeah. like that. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, those are those are things that require um, a, a higher level of support. Mm-hmm. And 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 we're we're not speaking on, right. on those yeah. things. I think I think where we're coming from is, you know, you'll hear people talk about staying in relationships because of finances, mm-hmm. or staying in relationships because of the house. Or stay, you know what okay. I mean, or something yeah. like that. Well, or that to the idea of okay, um, that goes. So yeah, clarifying the foundation that we're speaking mm-hmm. from is typically like a, a quote unquote normal right setting where there's some some level some of, level of dysfunction. That's, uh, yes, that's happening. it's unhealthy, yeah. or you're unhappy, or there's been infidelity, mm-hmm. or you know whatever, a lot of fighting or whatever. But there's no like physical safety dangers and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but from that place, um. It goes in how we live our life. And this is okay, whether you are in a in a relationship that you want to get out, but we don't even have to be speaking to that. If you're talking about stepping into the unknown, I mean, this really can apply to everybody. It's not just people that are, you know, wanting to get divorced or anything like that. The way we live our lives reflects what our values are. And so recognizing on a conscious level what our values are can really help us when we want to make decisions that are hard. And so what you just said is people will make decisions based on their highest value. And sometimes the highest value is I don't want to leave my house. Sometimes the highest value is I don't want my financial situation to change. Right. You make different decisions. If your highest value is freedom. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. 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 So for example, 
like you had mentioned in your situation, now you were kind of thrust into it, but um, in your situation, you were saying, you know, that you, um, you know, financially were really, really tight. And then you had to make different decisions. Would you have rather stayed financially comfortable? Absolutely. Would you have rather, you know, not eaten, you know, some of the frozen dinners that you did for the period of time that you were right. Absolutely. Yeah. But the outcome of that, ended up being so positive for you once you moved through it. And that's the thing too, is I think we view every hard situation as another stuck place when it's really every emotion we have, every situation we have is something that we have the potential to move through. And on the other side of all of those emotions, on the other side of all those fears, on the other side of all those experiences is the real true potential for joy, for safety, for improve, security, improve self-esteem, mm-hmm. all of these different things. I, you know, I often think about, and I, I know you've got some more things to cover here, but I, you know, like the 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 addict will stepping into a life of sobriety and recovery is unknown for mm-hmm. for folks who have been in that pattern of behavior for right as long as a well, lot of their people. Their brain is literally right. Like I want to go back to the addiction because it's the familiar. It's, it's comforted the safe. me. It's comforted me for. However long you know you were in that. So when you step into that, you go, oh, I don't know what this is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Does this look like I have to, you know, live in the woods? Like I remember, I, I made that joke, like I'm an addict. I have to like chain myself to the toilet, you know, or something like that. Like you just don't I just, know. I transform at midnight. Yeah, <laughs> right. Full moon. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I mean, I remember thinking that that like you know what what was going to happen? Was I going to be yeah. drawn? And then and then over time, you're like. Well, no, I actually, now I have improved self-esteem. I'm looking at myself in the mirror. My health is improving. Well, all of so these talking things. about getting out of yeah. the environment too. I think, okay, so if you know what your true value is, at that point, your highest value was recovery. Mm-hmm. And so you were willing to make the hard decisions to step into that. Right. Um, once you get away from the environment and you get a little bit of clarity, you start to to see that there's more opportunity and more potential. And you, so in, in a lot of aspects, you get out of the environment, you make the hard choice, not knowing what the outcome is going to be and afraid of a lot of things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then you end up experiencing more energy, more mental clarity, more health, better sleep, right? Because you have to remember when you were in a situation where you were internally conflicted all the time, that system is constantly running in the subconscious and that is incredibly exhausting. Yeah. When you have an internal fight against your parts or against yourself or against your highest self or against your purpose or however you want to term that, whatever resonates with you. But that internal conflict and that back and forth is a place of indecision in your body because there's conflict. And in your energetic state, in your energetic field, in your energetic body, that is incredibly draining. It takes all of your energy resources to be in a place of indecision. When you bring your value system up into your consciousness and out of your subconscious, because you're living into your value system subconsciously, whether you know it or not. So when you bring it up into your conscious, that's when you can say, okay, I'm living into my value system this way, but consciously, I want to shift this and start living into a different value system. Then you've made a decision and that decision alone, even though it comes with some difficulties, brings back so much energy into your body. And so I I know there's a lot of fear sometimes um, around like that aspect of it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's... When I think it's recognizing going back to the power of belief, the power of mindset, right? And and um, I'm going to give a lot of examples of that, actually, because I think it's really important. Let's do it. Yeah. So 
I'll give one example. I just think it's like absolutely mind blowing and awesome. It was one of my mentors was a celiac, like legit celiac. She's a medical doctor who had chronic pain and a diagnosed celiac condition, meaning she's like legitimately allergic to gluten. Okay. She's been through this transformative process of working on mindset, working on beliefs, stepping into fear, um, become, you know, becoming more aligned with who she is, stepping into her purpose, working on addressing all of her limiting beliefs about herself, about life, about all this kind of stuff, um, processing them, releasing trauma, getting it out of her body and, uh, and, and going through all of this work, you know, that you and I talk about all the time. And she has made a long-term commitment to that. And it's been a process of several years. Well, one of the goals she set for herself talking about the power of the mind was I'm not going to be a celiac anymore. You go, okay, that's not a reversible disease. People have that for life, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right? I'm telling you, I watched her eat gluten and it, and the, and she's fine. She has f- successfully over time working on both the emotional and mental aspect of it, as well as supporting her body through slow exposure and things like that mm-hmm. to the point where she doesn't just eat it to not have a reaction to show people that she can do it. She will eat it periodically consistently throughout her life now because she can. Yeah. She made a decision several years ago that that's where she was going to yeah. end up. Yeah. Think, think, just think about that. You've been told that you have a disease that is irreversible. Mm-hmm. She's a medical doctor, so she knows the science behind it. She decides that that's not going to be her life outcome and that her body can heal. She takes the steps to change all of the brain patterns and the fears. I mean, she used to have gluten and have to immediately go to the bathroom, right? And be like, listen, I can't even be like in the same room with this stuff. You can't give me a bite of it. I can't have an exposure to it or I'm going to have to be in the bathroom, right? She changed all of her brain patterns associated with that behavior of if I eat gluten, I'm in the bathroom, Right. And the fears associated about that and the physical responses associated with the fears, right. And the nervous system response and all of that. I mean, there's so much that goes into that. Yeah. And she piece by piece slowly unraveled that, addressed all of it, and then eats it no problem. She's fine. Her body doesn't react to it anymore. That reminds me of that, uh, that lady we heard talking about. Um, kind of mindset again and how you go about, you know, stepping into the unknown and the the notion of of cancer being in remission or cancer being healed. Oh, so, yeah. when, so when you tell a cancer patient who that they're now in remission for five years. You're you, in remission and you have a five-year window where it, right, might, where come it back, might come back. And so we're going to monitor you. Yeah. And so it, it it's clinical, right? It's very clinical and it's programmed and stuff like that. But it, it puts those cancer survivors patients into fear mm-hmm. fear oh my gosh it's going what's to come back next? yeah what's what's, what's my thing right, going right. to say yeah. is it coming back yeah well, and, and we you know we've experienced and that. it lowers your immune system and makes it versus if you say yeah. hey your cancer's healed we're going to do some scans on you we're going to figure it well, out we'll and just then, keep track of you yeah and we'll we'll address it you know if, if we see something else and so it's a it's a really um uh, and you know, that's, that's very much an unknown as well to mm-hmm. step into, you know, post-cancer you're like, well, what's the unknown? What's this going to mean? And you know, how, how you step into that unknown with confidence and belief and things like that. Yeah. I think it is the belief, right. Mm-hmm. Which takes a lot of courage 
to say, I'm going to believe that something is possible that I haven't yet experienced. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because like we were talking about earlier, the more you experience that things you think are impossible are possible, the more you start to actually believe it. But the first is really a step of faith because you don't, I don't know the outcome of that situation. Right. 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 Back to when I had my, um, I want to say, I always want to say my first divorce, you and I have never been divorced, but when I, when I got divorced, right. Knowing that I had been through that before, when we, you and I were working together, working together, (laughs) we've been working together on our divorce marriage thingy, processing everything, hear the wisdom. There is a sense to which I was like, I know I can do it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and even and you and I talked about this. I knew I could do it, too. Mm-hmm. I knew we'd be OK. I knew we'd sell the house. I knew, it, you know, like like we, we yeah. we'd figure it out. And there's a lot of processing to get to the point where I felt really to. strong in that. But right. yeah. I knew. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was not, that's an option. And it, I think when you live from a place of freedom versus a place of I'm stuck. Yeah. That is a different life. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a different thought process. Well, you know what's interesting, and this just hit me. So we both were like, we can go off and do our thing, mm-hmm. and we'd be fine. But we choose to work on this, and we choose to stay in this mm-hmm. thing, and we choose to. And there's fear both ways. To, right, there's fear both ways. I mean, but you remember we've talked about this too. Like you and I both had these moments where, like, I was like looking up apartments, oh, yeah. right? And I was like, yeah. well, okay, like things were painful. But and I was thinking through it, right? I was like, okay, well. Um, you know, I run my own business. Okay. But I'd probably have to get a second job to like, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, well, you know, thinking through like, okay, is that ideal? I wouldn't love it. You know, I might be tired. Like, could I do it? You know? And so, but then it it worked out that I didn't have to, but I knew that I could. Right. If I, if I needed. Well, I think it made, it, it took, it, it created a lightness on, um, Mm-hmm. A degree of likeness as we interacted with each other, because not that it was all roses, because it certainly was not. Um, but as we as we we took the fear of finances and lodging mm-hmm. um, away. Yeah. And so once that's gone, then you go, you know, because a house is just a house. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that we poured into this house in 100 years, nobody's going to even remember. Right. Right. It's going to be occupied by a different family. It might even be torn down. You know, and and all of these things, and so like I think what happens is a lot of times you see people in relationships it's like that, right? Like where you're talking about the house, like we had just built it, we had together. just built it, we right, and so yeah. So then you're facing yeah. divorce and separation. Right. You're like, but I just built this house, and yeah. it's just a house. It is just a house. What matters is is your emotions and your relationships and things, and like your that. safety, and your safety, right? Mentally, emotionally, and physically. Yep. Yeah. So another example of this, because I we mentioned earlier age, right? I think um, I was divorced very early in my 20s. You got divorced right around 40, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I hear it, it, what's interesting is I will hear the same fears and the same doubts and the same insecurities from women at so many different ages, like all across the spectrum, right? I think it's just it's just a human humanity fear, right? And And we allow the older we get to say, well... No, but this is justifying this fear because I'm older or, you know, but this, but we all have the same fears Mm -hmm. and the outcomes can always be different than we think they will be. And so here's an example of that. Um, I, I know personally a woman who was, and I don't know the exact age, but I want to say mid to late sixties when she had gone through betrayal and decided to get a divorce and, um, mid to late sixties. 
and she's living her best life. She owns her own condo. Um, and she had, if, if I remember correctly, and I'm not going to get like all the, into like all the details or the numbers or anything like that, but you know, one of her, her, um, you know, fears is, is what we've talked about. Finances are a big one. Right. And she was like, I don't know, like, you know, this is going to be tight, you know? And, and she certainly, uh, I don't think was going to live at the level that, you know, they would have had they stayed together. Mm -hmm. Right. But she made the decision that this marriage was unhealthy for her. And she was, and this was late sixties. And again, talking about how God ends up working things out, she did not know that this is something that was going to happen, but there is, I think some family member or something happened where she ended up getting, I think it might've been her dad or something like that. Um, she ended up getting like a little bit of an inheritance from that. And so that cushioned a little bit of her finance. And when she got divorced, she, she, she still works. And I think she got another job and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so, and, but the thing is, she's so much happier. Mm -hmm. She's so much happier. And I think we forget because we get stuck in the yeah. fear part yeah. that there can be true happiness and joy on the other side. If we're doing, if the thing that we're afraid of is something that we know deep down we should be doing, like if that's the purpose right. that we're, we need to live into on the other side of that choice, then, then even as scary as that choice is, climbing that wall and getting on the other side is going to bring that energy. It's going to bring that joy. It's going to bring that happiness, that lightness, even when it's so hard. Um, and I remember going through my divorce, um, the incredible energy shift that I had after separating from that relationship. I was like a different person yeah. from being in the relationship to being out of the relationship. And my, my emotions were happier. My energy was better. Um, I just loved life more again. And so I think we forget sometimes in that place of indecision and fear even just on a, an energetic frequency level, those are draining to the body, physically draining. Mm -hmm. The frequency of those emotions is incredibly draining. And so when, when we are able to move through them because we believe it's the right thing to do and we get on the other side, then the frequency and the energy completely shifts. Yeah. And so if that's, you know, what, what you're hoping for, right. then that, that's a good example of that. Yeah. I think, I think it's important to talk through kids. Um, having been through a divorce, you know, where there was a, a child involved. I think a lot of times folks will will say, well, you know, I gotta, I've got to stay together for the kids and things like that. And you absolutely have to consider that. You absolutely have to think that through. And you have to understand, are, are, are you bailing too soon? You know what I mean? Your kids are there. I mean, they, they really are. They are like the, the point of this episode isn't like, oh, you should go get divorced. That's like, right. That's the, not at all. The idea is if you know you should do something and fear is holding you back. Right. Right. You know, that's yeah. Okay. And so like, you know, what happens is, is um, kids do well when there's emotional health mm -hmm. surrounding them. Mm -hmm. and Safety they, and emotional right, health. Right. And so you can teach them that you can work through that. Um, and sometimes that, that means that the relationship will gain a, a emotional health by staying together and working through some hard things. And that's a mm -hmm. great example for your children. Right. Mm -hmm. To say, hey, listen, there's a hard thing we went through. Look at how we both and look at the reconciliation that happened. That's a wonderful lesson to give mm -hmm. your children. Um, on the flip side, you can show up better for your kids when you're in a little bit more emotional health. So if there's a if there's no chance well, and, of you and even like demonstrating like doing hard things, right, making right. the hard decisions. That's right. That's right. So there's and, no and it's like thinking about okay, if your child is in this situation. 
what do you want to model for them right. in their life? Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, I, I, I often think, you know, our, our, our kids are, are really smart and they want us to be happy. They also want us. They also want their needs met. Mm-hmm. And those are hard to kind of ascertain both of those things. And, you know, there's the fearful situations can do all of those things if you step into them. Mm-hmm. And, and once again, we're not, we're not sitting here advocating for divorce or for staying or, or, yeah, or either or one. Whatever. It's but, like, you know, if it's just, you know, inside of you what yeah, the right decision yeah. is and you're scared of yeah. doing it, that's kind of what we're talking right. about. So people will say, well, I, and I said this, well, I have to stay together for, for, for Keegan. Yeah. And it turns out he was okay. He was okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with, with the split, there were some hard things that he went through um, and stuff like that, but ultimately, you know, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are hard decisions. It's, you yeah. know, it's fear is a real thing. And I think mm-hmm. um, what we're trying to communicate like at the core of it is that you're here for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if there's a lot of conflict internally, um, we just want to bring that up to the surface in terms of bringing into your consciousness. Like, why am I making the decisions that I'm making? Where is that coming from? Right. Because if there's conflict, then there's a decision to be made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, one way or the other, right? There's so many nuances and like, we're not telling you what yeah. to do at all. Right. Um, but we've been in both and we've made both and it's different for everyone. Right. And there's, I mean, there can be, there can be even situations like kind of in the middle where you go, we're not, going to live as a married couple, but we're staying together because we have a healthy enough dynamic and we want to provide that, you know, unification for the children in the home or, you know, there's like so oh, yeah. many, yeah. And that's the thing. There's so many different right. variables. So it's not, you know, stay together or get to, like, there's so many different ways, but yeah. the idea is what is it that you are here for? And are there things in your life that are keeping you from living into, you know, your purpose and who you're supposed to be and you know, if you stay with somebody and you, it's not a typical relationship and you find something that's the in-between and, but that allows you to maybe have some financial, um, stability between the two of you and it's mutually agreed upon and you've clearly communicated what those boundaries are. And then you go off and live your best life and, um, you know, get, uh, new friendships and um, have some more creativity because, you know, you don't feel, you're not feeling stuck because it's a choice, right? right? I think that's, that's another thing too, is like when we feel like we don't have choices, we feel very stuck. And that's a totally different place to be than I'm choosing this because of X, Y, Z, I'm good with it. And now I can be who I need to be. Right. And again, it's like that energy and frequency level of like fear versus no, I'm, I'm here because I want to be here. Right. right? And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So one more, one more story and then just a couple other like inspirational examples for people. Um, so there was a woman who, um, wanted when she was younger to convert to Christianity and her family did not uh, want her to do that. They didn't believe that that was the right decision. And, um, her grandmother threatened her with taking away her, um, her, uh, college fund. And, um, it just was not, you know, they, they weren't supportive of her decision to become a Christian. Well, she really felt called and wanted to become a Christian and get baptized. So she did it anyway. And true to her word, her grandma took away her college fund. Um, and her mom grounded her for two years. Now I don't know what that looked like in terms of like, that meant that she couldn't like hang out with her friends or, and she even told, said when she told this story, she's like, you know, I, I want to be fair to my mom. You know, she, she kind of felt like maybe I was getting into a cult or something like that. Like she, you know, so she wasn't saying, you know, she wasn't 
like hating on her mom or anything when she was telling a story, but she said, you know, okay, so I converted because I felt like it was the right thing to do. So here's an example, kind of in the context of this episode, like talk about scary, but she felt like this is my purpose. This is who I'm supposed to be, who I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm going to make this choice, even though I have literal life changes, um, forced on me because of this choice. Right. And so she did it. So then, uh, her college fund was taking taken away. She was able to go to college anyone anyway using some scholarships, but she did still have to take out some loans. At college, she met her husband, and then her in-laws asked her, "Hey, do you have any college loans? We've actually been saving money for years for a niece who doesn't actually need the money. They found out like the niece is set, whatever, mm-hmm. doesn't need the money." She said, yeah, actually, I do have some loans. They covered the exact amount of loans that she had. Hmm. So just like like, ties a pretty little bow on the idea of the fear of the unknown, losing things that you love and care about or that make your life comfortable or that set up your future the way that you currently think is the only way. And then God having a totally different plan. How many years had he been working on the in-laws to save this money to answer this question for her? Right. Right. And to provide love and support and security. And in in a way, in an option that she never, ever, ever would have seen Mm -hmm. had she been locked into there's only one way to accomplish going to college. There's only one option, one future, one choice for me. Mm -hmm. Um, She chose in the most scary way to do something that she believed in wholeheartedly mm-hmm. and, and, you know, spiritually, she probably almost felt like she didn't have a choice, right? Like yeah. if she felt called. And so she made that decision and then it's like the universe started shifting, right? Yeah. The, the yeah. things started aligning for her in a way that never would have happened mm-hmm. if she wasn't willing to step into that unknown. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's a really cool story. That is a good story. Yeah. So just a couple more inspirational examples. Again, not re- not even relationally, um, not even um, about relationships mm-hmm. or marriage, but Julia Child wrote her first cookbook at 39. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diana Boyle, or yeah, Diane, Diana, was uh, she's the woman that was on uh, America's Got Talent at 47. Mm-hmm. Susan Boyle. Yeah, Susan Susan Boyle. Why are you Diana? Oh, that must have been a typo. Susan Boyle. That's right. Susan Boyle was on America's Got Talent, 47 years old. I mean, think about that. Like, like stepping into the unknown. That is so scary. Mm -hmm. You're not a performer. She hasn't been, you know, right? And then she like blew everybody's minds and had an album and got successful at 47. Mm -hmm. 47. Grandma Moses began her painting career at 78. Mm-hmm. She lived to be 101, by the way. Nice. So when you think like, oh, I only have so much time left, I yeah. think I think mindset and energy and living into your purpose plays a lot into that. It does. It really, really does. So Grandma Moses began her painting career at 78. She lived to 101 years old and while she was alive, enjoyed success, but then obviously has continued to be well-known and successful after her death. But mm-hmm. um, she enjoyed success that late in life. I, I just think that's amazing. And Laura Ingalls Wilder, you know, author of um, mm-hmm. Little House on the Prairie, began writing her books when she was 65 years old. 
So two more. I know Colonel Sanders evidently didn't start KFC till he was like in his late fifties. Oh, but that was one of those like knocking on door. Like, yeah, to get it done right, right. Right. Yeah. So and then not uh, instant gratification, that's but right. yeah, Eastwood um, learned how to play classical piano in his seventies. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. So like, you know, there's a guy that, I mean, Clint Eastwood's still directing movies. He's in his nineties. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, whether you like his movies or not, mm-hmm. there's a guy that keeps reinventing himself and doing different things and, mm-hmm. you know, getting out there and doing, doing stuff. So yeah, I, I think, I think age is a number. Take all of those. Mm-hmm. If they didn't believe that they could do it, they right. wouldn't have tried. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't believe that you can, you have what it takes right. to start a restaurant business, you're not going to do it. That's right. If you don't think that piano is interesting or that it's a possibility that you can learn that late, if you mm-hmm. go, I'm like, I'm 65, it's too late to learn piano, right? You're never going to try. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I hope that's encouraging. Well, you hear people do that. They'll be like, yeah, I wish I'd, I wish I'd learned to play piano when I was younger. But like, why not, why not now? Now, there are some things that, that pass you by. Like, you know, you're like, I want to be an elite marathon runner right. and I'm 88 I'm years old. Olympics. Yeah, like, okay, that may not happen. But sure. but uh, there are some things that, that people limit themselves based on maybe what society yeah. tells them or, or whatever. But I think that's the whole point. The world is full of possibilities. Mm-hmm. It's full of possibilities. And fear says that there's only one outcome. And it's a negative outcome. But beyond the wall of fear are like hundreds of possibilities, many of which are full of joy, full of happiness, full of security, new friendships, new financial opportunities, um, you know, just new everything. Yeah. And um, and so I think that that's kind of what we want to leave you with today. We don't know what the answer is for you. We have yeah. no we have no idea, but I do know and I can tell you that. You have an inner knowing inside of you. Mm -hmm. And my encouragement is to always commit for the rest of your life to listen to that because the more we suppress it, the more mental and physical harm we do to ourselves over time. Because that part that speaks to you is speaking for your health, for your well being, to live into your purpose and to be the strongest, happiest, best version of you. And if we ignore it, there is an energetic shift in our body because of that. And so the more we do it, the more the energy shifts and, you know, the frequency changes and there's a lot of unhappiness that comes with that. So I don't know what it's telling you. Only, you know, what it is telling you. Um, But I would encourage you to just sit with it for a little while, be still with it, listen to it, drop into your body and go, what is it really trying to tell me to do? Because I think most of us, when we get still enough, know what it, know what that answer is. Don't be afraid to step into that, Mm -hmm. into that fear and that unknown. Don't you for the addicts, because I represent all addicts. Don't, (laughs) don't be afraid to step into that path of healing because you, you, you'll never know. You know, and I've said this before, the amount of, uh, of freedom I feel and the amount of, um, joy yeah. that I feel, you know, every day yeah. knowing that, that that's no longer part of my, mm-hmm. part of my life is not at all what I expected when I started the journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think, yeah. when I, I think oh, what I felt I don't was, think I could anticipate where we are. Yeah. I, what I felt was, okay, I'll get to a point where I'm not doing it, <laughs> but I didn't understand all of the, you know, second, third, fourth order effects, positive extremely mm-hmm. positive effects that, that that would come out. Mm-hmm. I guess the last thing I would say too, is if this is something that you're kind of like, okay, well, that, this all sounds great, but I have no idea how to do this. Like my brain p- patterns are totally rooted in one way and I'm comfortable in my discomfort. And maybe I recognize that, but that's as far as I can get. I totally understand that. Again, this takes practice, right? So doing it with the small things first and then building mm-hmm. on that and learning how to trust yourself and, and that learning how to like trust that things will be okay. starts maybe in smaller things. Mm-hmm. 
But if that's you, reach out to a trauma therapist or a coach or, you know, somebody um, create that support system because they can help um, guide you and challenge you. And again, the brain is malleable. It's constantly the, the ability for the brain to change is, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And the power of the mind and the thoughts that it has on our future, on our present and on our physical and mental health is huge. It is. And so if we're stuck in patterns that are not serving us, reaching out to people that can help us change those patterns and challenge those and, you know, support you as you take those brave steps into the unknown, uh, can be really, really helpful. Uh, so I would encourage you to do that. If you are a betrayed spouse that wants to work, uh, one-on-one with a coach, I do work one-on-one with betrayed, uh, women. So feel free to reach out. There's a link in the uh, show notes, but whether it's me or someone else that you feel like is a, is a good fit for you, you know, we cannot go through this life alone. Mm -hmm. And I think fear is one of those things that really grabs onto us when we feel isolated. And so the more we can get into a supportive community, the more we can surround ourselves with people that have positive mindsets, belief that change is possible, belief in you and your Mm -hmm. capabilities, the more that then becomes a reality. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, it would mean so much if you leave a five-star review or post a screenshot and share on social media. We are on a mission to share the message of recovery and you can help get the word out. If you know a friend who could use this podcast, please share it.